know what you want to do. It's not it's not going to be conducive to an effective job search if you're like, well, I'll do A or I'll do B because people are not going to be willing to roll the dice on you if you're not 100% convinced that you're qualified and that you want to do it. And again, this is where the psychology comes in because we sort of psych ourselves out a little bit when we're making a switch. So I think first and foremost, you have to be confident in your abilities to do the role. Hello and welcome back to I Want Our Job, the podcast. We're here to share new ideas and career perspectives that give you the why not or what if moments for your life. If you enjoy this show, please share it with a friend, rate and review us on iTunes, and go to IWantHerJob.com anytime for more interviews. So have you ever wondered what it takes to make a career switch? Or have you wondered what to do to make that career switch successful and not a complete disaster? Today's podcast is with a woman who literally wrote the book on the art of a career transition. Dr. Don Graham is author of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. She's also a coach for the Wharton School Executive MBA program and host of Career Talk on Sirius XM. In this show, we discuss career switcher questions such as, should you go back to school? How to pass an interview in a new career track? or how to know if a job switch is worth it. Dawn is especially and uniquely great at what she does because she combines experience with advanced degrees in counseling psychology. And this background allows her to understand those fears that creep up, those doubts or mistakes that can often block us from making the career switch our souls want us to make. Dawn shares tips on how to test out a career you're considering, what to do when you get an interview, and how to show your dedication for a new role. And as Dawn says, clarity comes through action. So if you're considering a career switch, keep listening to decide what your next actions will be. Here is Dawn. Mainly I am a career switch coach and that's kind of how I define myself. I I do that primarily as the career director at the Wharton Executive MBA program, but I also do it as host on SiriusXM's Career Talk, which is a call-in show where people call in and ask questions about their career. And um, obviously through my book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. So overall, I think my, my mission as a professional is to help job seekers get around a lot of the bias in the job search and land the job they want. And, and I would say that's probably a really good summary for how I spend my days. I love that um, because there is so much bias and there is so much confusion around how do I, first of all, how do I get the job? And then even harder, how do I make this career switch? So before we get into the details of career switching, tell us like some of the big milestones and decisions that you made that led you down this career path. So it's interesting because I think as professionals, we've all learned to put together a pretty linear path on our resumes and and how we introduce ourselves. But I think if you peel back the onion, most of us have a pretty diverse set of skills and careers and titles and our career looks more like a zigzag than it does a straight line. So I think for me, I started out way back when in recruiting and I love doing that, but what I realized in doing that, especially after the the 2000 kind of crash and a lot of people became unemployed, that you know people didn't really understand how to get a job. And I ended up working at that time in outplacement, which is 
for, you know, basically companies who help individuals who've been laid off get a job. And I thought, wow, this is the side of the job search I want to be on. I love recruiting, but I realized those skills were going to be super helpful to teaching people what's really going on behind the scenes, what hiring managers are really looking for, and how the process worked. And that's kind of how I built my career from there. I, you know, I kind of tripped into it like a lot of people do, found that it was something I loved to do, and then really built upon that by getting a PhD. I'm a licensed psychologist because I realized psychology is such a big part of any human interaction and especially the hiring process that I like to bring that into the coaching that I do so that people understand kind of those processes that are going on behind the scenes in the human brain that can get in the way. So, so I did that and uh, continued to move in this direction until I realized that in addition to just doing coaching, what was happening in the market at you know, in the last five to 10 years is that the market was changing so rapidly that people were trying to make career switches or being forced to make career switches, but the hiring processes haven't caught up or, or kept up. So we're still using applicant tracking systems and other things that match professionals and are not really able to assess switchers. And so this is kind of the gap that my book Switchers fills. Once you realize what your passion is, how do you actually get there through these bias systems, through hiring managers who maybe haven't been trained to hire and through all of these, these other hurdles that are keeping you from where you want to be? Yeah. And I love that you studied psychology too, because I read a lot of career books, but yours is unique because you have the, from the perspective, what does the hiring manager want to hear? Like you have um, tips on putting them at ease, doing the work for them, like laying the path of why you're a good fit. Um, and also then I love how you have from the perspective of the job seeker, like it's, it's not something that you can just do for a week. Like it's a total mind shift. Like I thought of it kind of like, let's say you want to go on a diet. It's something you need to do every day if you want to make a career switch versus, oh, I'm going to like look for a week and then finish. <laughs> so I noticed that. Yeah, I think people how much psychology plays in and how the human brain works. Even, even hiring managers aren't really aware of how much emotions play into the hiring process, but you've probably heard people say, oh, I don't know, it was just a gut feeling. And, mm -hmm. and those things all have a basis. And I think when you're a job seeker and you understand the strategy that, or you understand what's going on in the mind, you can create a strategy that works with that process. So one of the things I tell job seekers all the time is, Actually, the hiring process in the early stages is about elimination and not selection. And why that's important to your strategy is because the brain works very differently when it's looking to eliminate. It's very much honing in on those easy red flags, low hanging fruit that can knock you out because they know we have one job, 200 applicants. So when you can create a job story around this, or job strategy around this, then you're going to not get knocked out in those stages. And then towards the end, when you're down to the last few candidates, now the job search is about selection. So it's a different process in the brain and you're going to want to be able to share how you stand out and what makes you unique. So I, I talk about match first, stand out second as a strategy to use in this process. And I think once people understand that, they can create resumes or LinkedIn profiles or interview answers that really align with how the brain is working so that they make it to the offer stage. Got it. And I was going to ask you what are common mistakes switchers make, but I mean, there's so many different types of switches that you can do um, 
for people who are listening that are in different, um, you know, jobs. So I think maybe it would be more useful to understand like when, when have you seen switchers be successful? Yeah, I think some of the most important things that a switcher needs to do are first off, know what you want to do. It's not, it's not going to be conducive to an effective job search if you're like, well, I'll do A or I'll do B because people are not going to be willing to roll the dice on you if you're not 100% convinced that you're qualified and that you want to do it. And again, this is where the psychology comes in because we sort of psych ourselves out a little bit when we're making a switch. So I think first and foremost, you have to be confident in your abilities to do the role. And then once you are, it's really important to rebrand. So we get very tied to our titles or to our companies. And this becomes really ingrained in our identity. And when, when we're trying to make a switch, if I introduce myself as I'm a lawyer, but I want to do X, I'm basically telling you I'm not what you need, but mm -hmm. you should give me anyway. And I think it's really difficult if you've been successful in a career to shed that and, and you know, be vulnerable and, and create a new, I guess, you know, image for yourself, but that's what switchers need to do. They need to look at what value do I add? What transferable skills do I add? Shed the title, shed the company and start introducing themselves with those relevant strengths that are going to capture the attention of their audience. Because if you don't capture somebody's attention really quickly in today's day and age, they're, they're not going to hang around to listen to anything else. So that rebranding piece and how you introduce yourself and how you show up online and how your resume looks, which in some cases might mean taking things off that you're really proud of. And that's hard to do. And, and starting to say, yeah, these are my, these are the accomplishments that have worked for me in my career so far, but these are not the ones that are most relevant to where I'm going. So maybe they have to take a back burner while I try to match first, stand out second. And that's really difficult for switchers to do because you know, they're, they're thinking, well, this worked for me before. Why won't it work again? And, you know, once they do that, though, they start to see a lot of doors open up. Mm -hmm. Really good advice. So like you said, be really clear on what it is you want to do. Like you can't just reach out to somebody. Oh, I'm thinking of, I'd like your company. Can you help me? Right. That's a really big mistake. Um, like you mentioned, when you're networking to do the work for whoever it is you're asking something for. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think people underestimate how much others are willing to help them if they invest first. And what I mean by that is people really do get a lot of joy and satisfaction from helping people. But I think the problem becomes we make it hard for others to help us because we don't give them the information they need. But if you if you do the work for them, and what I mean by that is if, if you think about what is this person uniquely qualified to help me with? Um, what do I want to do? What are my goals for this meeting? And, and really invest in them. And that might mean checking out their social media. It might mean buying their book. It might mean following them on Twitter, but really getting to know them so that you can ask them questions they're uniquely qualified to answer. They're going to be happy to answer those questions. But if you go in and you've made it clear that either you haven't thought too deeply or reflected too deeply about your strengths and what you want and you're kind of thinking in the moment or that you haven't invested anything in learning about them and what they're uniquely qualified to answer, then they're going to get really uh, annoyed that you're wasting their time because you really can get a lot of great help in 20 minutes if you do your homework first. And I think that's the biggest mistake people make in networking is they think I could just hop on a call and think out loud and this person's gonna have the answers, but you really have to put 
if you're going to have a 20 minute call, I would say you want to invest at least an hour thinking about how can I invest in this person? What are they uniquely qualified? What are the two things I want to get out of this 20 minute call? What do I want to make sure I communicate? And to some extent, maybe how can I help this person? Is there a way I can do that? So, so it does take a lot of prep. Mm -hmm. Or for example, I've seen for somebody says, oh, are, is your company hiring? I think what the job seeker should probably do is hold, find the role and then kind of write a template of why they're a match for the role, right? To make it easier for that person to internally then, you know, um, see if they can submit it somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm always shocked when somebody, you know, sends me an email and says, I'm interested in these 10 companies. Do you know anyone here? Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a lot of work for me versus you know online makes it so easy my network is is open on linkedin so it's really easy for somebody to search my contacts and see if i know somebody and then email me and say you know I've, i'm really interested in a job at x company i see you're connected to so and so would you be willing to give me an introduction now that's something that I can respond to very quickly and you're going to get a much better response to that if you take the time. And I think that's just it. You have to invest that time first and you're going to see a lot of people saying yes to your request when you make it really easy for them to do so. Absolutely. Do you have any inspiring stories of career switchers that you kind of refer to? So there's a lot. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different types of career switchers. So some people are just switching industries, which is one of the, the easier switches. And then other people are making double switches. So they're switching industry and function. And that's pretty difficult to do because obviously you've not, you don't have the industry experience and you've not done the functional role. So I would say that, you know, a couple of stories that I can share. One demonstrating why it's important to do your research first and the other um, showing why you need to sometimes put those those achievements that you are so proud of on the back burner so the first one is um, there was a medical doctor and he was thinking he wanted to move into finance and so he did his homework he networked internally and when you're making a functional switch it's really a great idea if you can start with your current company because Oftentimes you've proven yourself, you, you've got a great network there and they might be happy to let you try something else just to retain you. So that's what this person did. Continued to do is his clinical work, but got up early three days a week and would go do this finance um, investing with the finance team. And he, you know, after three months, they really loved him and they thought, hey, you know, if this is a path you want to be on, we're willing to help you. But the interesting thing was, he realized he liked clinical work better. And the reason I love that story is because I see too many switchers kind of start to get really excited about what they think mm -hmm. a role is going to be. Mm -hmm. And they put in all of this time and energy to get there just to realize it's not what they thought it would be. One of the things a lot of people do too is go back to school as a first step. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of education, so I'm not, I'm not you know, putting that down but I don't think it should be the first step because you need to understand if the day-to-day -day is going to be conducive to your values and your family and your lifestyle. And so I think it's really a good idea to, to try it on first. And I talk a lot about clarity coming through action and, and to create those, those opportunities for yourself. Um, the other story is somebody who wanted to move from the clinical side of pharma to the business side of pharma and you know brilliant brilliant person 
had a PhD, very, very um, accomplished, but kept leading with the PhD. And on the business side, they really didn't look at the PhD as something that's of value. You know, they wanted somebody who knew analytics and strategy and, you know, all these different things, which this person had, but wasn't leading with. Mm -hmm. So as difficult as it was, she took the PhD kind of off the top of the resume. <laughs> yeah. I know it's hard. It's hard because that's, you know, that's a pretty great accomplishment mm -hmm. and started leading with the value of the, you know, the analytics and, and her math skills and all these other things that were really of interest to them. And the best part of the story is that when she got down to like, you know, the top two or three candidates, they're like, well, what makes you different? And then she could bring out the PhD and say, yeah. well, in addition to all these business skills, I also have a PhD. And yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, it, it was a really great example of that match first, stand out second story. I like those examples. And so I think what you say, so first of all, I wanted to ask you that back to school question because it's, it's a lot what people think a lot because it's easier like, oh, well, I could go back to school. But um, I know you talk about how it's sometimes you go back to school and then you end up a job you don't like or you don't really need to. So what are, how are there some ways you can think about whether or not you should go back to school? Yeah, a lot of people um, go back to school because it seems like a a linear structured process and, and a good step. And while, you know, I'm going to have this education, so, you know, I'll, I'll be able to get this job. But I, what I tell people is ask yourself this, will you still have a hard job search after mm -hmm. your degree? And the answer is probably yes, because companies value experience way more than they value coursework. And, and while an education can help you learn the terminology, learn a little bit about the theory and maybe build your network, which are all great things. If it doesn't have a, an applied aspect to it or internships or other things that really get you out in the field experiencing whatever that, that function is, then it may not be the best first step because one, there are certainly careers where you need to get certain licenses and certifications. So we're not talking about those. We're talking about maybe some of the more ambiguous ones where an education could be helpful, but not necessary. Yeah. So, um, I had a client who really thought she wanted to go into speech therapy. So she enrolled in this program and spent two years going through the program and the last term was really an in-depth kind of practicum type experience where it was the first time she actually did, you know, the practical side of the work and she realized she hated it. So when she came to me, she was just finishing up this program saying, okay, I want to do something different. I just spent, you know, $30,000 getting this degree and now I don't want to use it. Now what do I do? So I think it's really important if you can try experiences within your current company, if you can shadow, maybe you have some, some friends or family or other people, or you can, um, you know, to the extent you can do research and volunteer in, in organizations in your local area just to try things out because you may realize that eh, this isn't really what I thought it was gonna be. And, you know, if you invest in, in a degree program first, Without doing that, you may be unpleasantly surprised at the end of those few years. Yeah, no, I love that example. So let, um, so you you think that you want to do that, and you mentioned trying to find somebody maybe who does it, talking to them about what the day to day is like, finding a way to to intern or volunteer, right? I mean, really putting a lot of time into that. 
So you know for sure whether or not you want to spend that time and money on the education. Any other tips for how to like get, understand what the day-to-day -day is like and if you're going to like it before you actually do all that work to, to try to get the job? Yeah, I do think, um, so clarity comes through action. So I think any steps you can take to get to learn more about it very practically are going to be helpful. But another part of it is really understanding yourself. And I think if you're looking to make a switch maybe mid-career. I mean, maybe some of the things that were important to you 15 years ago aren't important to you now and vice versa. So maybe 15 years ago, you didn't have a family and now you do. So you can't travel like you used to be able to, or you can't relocate as easily as maybe you once could. So I think a lot of people miss that step of stepping back and, and self-reflecting to say, what's important to me now? What am I willing to give up and what are my non-negotiables? And in the book, I have what I call a career switch tolerance questionnaire. And it goes through a number of questions that switchers can ask themselves so that they can really assess if they're ready to do this right now. Because I've seen so many people who are very excited about making a switch and, and you know, this is gonna be great, I'm excited, here's all the reasons, I, you know. And then you start saying, okay, well, the salary is going to be lower and oh no no i couldn't possibly take a lower salary or you're going to have to travel a lot more or you you may not have the autonomy that you had before and so they start like thinking about all these things that they're going to lose and they're like wow maybe this isn't the best move for me or maybe this just isn't the best time for me so maybe you can wait a few years and and then it's going to be a better time but i think people really need to think about the trade-offs and some of those trade-offs will be temporary and you know maybe you need to think about that but I, I think that's a piece that i see a lot of switchers miss yeah oh my god that is such good advice so much of life is really understanding and thinking deeply about the trade-offs and kind of making a decision around that um i love that and so so much of your book it's really a roadmap so you talk about okay you want to make the switch how do you use the experience you have how do you present that information in a way that will make the hiring uh, manager interested in you and you also talk about so let's say you're able to do that you make your resume interesting enough and relevant transferable enough you get the interview and then you have great advice for the actual when you're in the interview like make sure you put their needs first on what they want and so talk talk to us a little bit about how to approach the interview from that to get the manager interested yeah, and it goes back to do the work for them and, and think about what's most relevant to their interests. Because th at the end of the day, hiring managers want to bring on somebody who's going to make them look good, get the job done, and hopefully hang around for a while so they don't have to be in the hiring process again. And if you can make that case, then they don't really need to look any further. One of the things I tell people all the time is that you're going to get a question that sounds something like, you know, why do you want this job or why are you looking now or why this company but a lot of people treat this question as a softball but it's absolutely not and i would almost say that that you need to spend the most time preparing for this question because there's three things that matter there's there's your skills and if you're in the interview you probably have the skills there's fit and the last one is motivation and this is the motivation question and really what they're asking is why should I take a chance on you? Are you going to stick around? Are, is this just a whim or are you really interested in making this switch for, for valid reasons that I can relate to? And so I think it's super important for 
people who are making a switch to have a great answer to this question that goes beyond, well, I'm passionate about, or your company's great. Like, you know, no one wants to hear that. That doesn't tell me anything. What I want to hear is something along the lines of, you know, I spent the last two years volunteering, doing this type of work, and I realized I wanted to make it core to, to um, my life, and now I'm looking at this. Or, or something along the lines of how you've already committed, something along the lines of, of why it makes sense at this point in time in your career, and that informs me that you're going to come on hungry to do the work, to learn as much as you can, and to achieve as much as you can. It's really that hunger that you need to show somebody, and not in words, but in actions. So what have you done that really can convince me that you're hungry to do this job? I love it. It goes back to that clarity through action. I love that line. I mean, if you can just constantly have that right in your in the back of your mind, like being able to explain the action you've done and always kind of thinking about getting that clarity through action, through your actions to the hiring manager and to yourself, right? Through what you've done to, to get the experience and to know that you want that role. Yeah. And I, I have an example. I had, um, you know, somebody who's changing industries and functions and wanted to move into a university setting and Throughout all of her jobs, she's always volunteering in her company to be part of the university hiring and going out to universities to recruit. And, and it was this was not at all part of her day-to-day -day job. She just volunteered in the company to be a part of it because she really loved working with with university students and kind of helping them get into their careers. And, and even though her day job had nothing to do with that, she had a consistent record of doing that. So when she wanted to move into a university setting, um, that was great evidence of somebody who's been been interested in and spending their their free time doing this type of work. So even though the the it was a completely different career, there was evidence for the hiring manager that this person really loves doing this type of work. Yeah, I love that. Great example. So wherever you are, think about ways to volunteer in an area where you where you want to be. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And I know some people listening are saying, wow, I don't have no idea what I would do or that takes a lot of time. And, mm -hmm. and I, I won't, I won't say that it doesn't take time and it doesn't take investment, but I think the people who are successful and effective as switchers recognize that it's not an overnight process that, you know, unless, unless your uncle is working in the exact company that you want to work in and has the ability to hire you, that you're going to have to invest in rebranding. You're going to have to invest in taking time to apply yourself in this world somehow, whether it's, it's, it's getting to know or partner with some different departments at your current role, whether it's, it's volunteering, whether it's creating a self, um, created internship for for the you know next few months but you do have to find a way and I think there are so many things that we don't think about to create that so yeah it does take a little time it does take effort but people are doing it and I think it's also going to become the new normal I think as the market changes people are going to be forced to switch as new industries emerge and other ones go away as technology takes over certain things as certain jobs move geographically. So I think to the extent that people can start to get comfortable 
with ambiguity, get comfortable with reflecting on their skills and how they might translate to other careers, and get comfortable building a network as a habit versus a need to when I have to find a job, they're going to be set up so much better to deal with any changes that might unexpectedly be thrown their way. Absolutely. And I love in your book, so you have, you talk a lot about networking and you actually have templates like to use on LinkedIn. Like you wrote a little, you know, blurbs about how, what you can send to someone to stay in touch, which I love. So um, I really recommend that because it's hard sometimes you're like, well, what do I say? <laughs> I haven't talked to this person in a year. So those were fabulous. And let's talk about, you mentioned that second level contacts are best for networking. And I think a lot of people, this doesn't, it doesn't seem intuitive that that's the case. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's funny because I actually did my, my TEDx talk on this. And I think a lot of people get intimidated when they hear the word networking. And I'll be the first to raise my hand. I am a, an introvert through and through and networking can still be hard for me sometimes, but I also know the magic that comes out of it. So I do make it part of my, my daily life. But here's the deal. You already have a network. You have friends, family, colleagues, maybe people from your alma mater, maybe neighbors or old roommates or people you, you worked part-time jobs with or community projects or church or wherever you have all of these contacts. So people already have a network. And I think when you can really think about that, and if you can give yourself the space to just sit down and write down all of these names, hairdresser, dentist, I mean, people you, you see pretty often, then you're like, wow, okay, I have a network. Um, all of these individuals have circles of people they have they have family friends neighbors and all these other people and I think that the thing we're missing is we don't talk about what we want to do we don't talk about our goals we rarely can speak to what people in our lives do day to day so some of the I would I would tell your listeners think about this think about people you spend a lot of time with not at work but maybe you have really good friends or maybe you're in a book club or maybe you're you know in community in your church or something like that but do you know what those people do on a day-to-day -day basis and can you verbalize that in one to two sentences because if you can't chances are they can't do that about you and i'm not talking oh they work at x company or they're a lawyer but i'm talking specifically what they do what value they add and what they want to do next. And I think if we could start having these conversations with the people in our lives who we already have relationships with, who already want us to do well, who are willing to help us because they've known us for, for a while, then we could, we could open the door to so many opportunities. And I think a great place to start is to just start asking people, you know, I stand next to you on the soccer sidelines every week and I, I really don't know exactly what you do. Can you share more about that? And obviously that will start a dialogue. And I guarantee you that most times what will come out of that conversation is, oh, you should meet my, my friend so-and-so, or have you ever thought about looking for a job here? And all these ideas will be generated every time you have this conversation. And if you do it with just 10 people who you already know, I, I would be amazed at what comes out of that. I think you would be too. Just be, okay, I love that. Just be open about talking about what other people do, what you want to do, and just instead of talking about the weather or what you saw on TV last night, talk about your career goals and aspirations. Is that what you're saying? We never do that. And we, because we assume, oh, the, the people on the soccer sidelines or the people who are at the community center or whatever, oh, they don't do what I want to do. But, but that's not the point. Of course, 
they don't do what you want to do, but you don't know who they're married to or who they're best friends with or who their cousin is or who, you know, they met last week at a networking event. And, and I think that's the piece that could really open the doors. It's easy. You don't have to meet anybody. You don't know to have this initial conversation. And I, I think if we all did this, I mean, we would be surprised at how many doors opened. And I think the other great thing is we can help lots of other people because when we start to understand what people in our lives do or want to do, we can watch out for those opportunities as well and bring those back to them. And say, hey, I remember last week we talked about this. I just read this article that I think you, you might find interesting. And, and it just becomes this great network of sharing and it doesn't really take showing up to a big event and, and you know feeling embarrassed or anything. It doesn't. It just takes a different conversation with the people you already know. Got it. Yeah, I like that because it kind of reminds me of creating your own luck. Like just go out there and talk about what you want and learn from other people and also <coughs> find ways that you can help others. That's great. Um, what, uh, what inspires you today about the job market and what worries you about what's happening? So I think, I think the thing that inspires me is that switchers are going to become the new normal. I think we all are going to have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things. And, you know, that's really exciting. I think people have multiple passions, multiple interests. And, and, you know, there was a point in time when we all felt like we had to figure out what's the right career, what's, you know, my passion. But now we get to do a lot of different things with people doing seven, eight, nine, ten 10 careers throughout their lifetime. You get to try a lot of different things. And as your values and needs shift, you can you can shift with them to have more autonomy or more balance or travel more. So I think that's really exciting. I think the thing that scares me is that the hiring process is not at all addressing this. And as we move towards more technology solutions, which I support, but I'm a little bit fearful of because I'm not sure that if we continue to do matching systems, that that's gonna be adequate to hiring switchers. And I know what companies need now are people who are agile because they know I hire this person in two years, their job can change or a computer can take it over and we want to be able to reskill and do all these things. But I'm not sure that the hiring managers are trained to hire. I'm not sure that these applicant tracking systems and some of the other AI is taking into account how to hire a switcher so it worries me that we're going to be in a place where we've got these great workers who offer a lot of value but are getting stuck in this hiring process and not getting to the right job so that's that's definitely something i'm, I'm already seeing yeah which leads us to the non-traditional job search so can you give us a few kind of tips on that yeah I I feel like we're all going to have to go into a non-traditional job search. And honestly, the book Switchers isn't only for switchers. This is what I would say the job search is. And if you follow these steps, switcher or not, you're going to be way more successful than if you just apply online. I mean, we know that only 20% of jobs are advertised. We know that some of those jobs are already spoken for by an internal candidate that they plan to hire, but you know they have to advertise anyway for legal reasons. And a lot of those, those jobs that are posted online are either hyped up or maybe not all they're cracked up to be, or maybe, um, you know, not even real. So I feel like 
the, that process is, is going away very quickly, the online hiring process. And what people need to do is build a network, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, create ambassadors who know the value you add and know the goal you have so that we can all be out there sharing this information and opening the door to a lot of opportunities. And this is definitely, um, networking is not new it's been the gold standard for decades but i still think more people tend to see the i'm going to apply online i'm going to get a call i'm going to go to an interview you know for as as the traditional job search and i think that's really fading away to one that's more referral based one that's more informational and one that is more self-directed got it what do you have any kind of go-to resources sites blogs that you um around the job search or just the mark you know careers and that you really would recommend yeah I, I actually write twice a month for forbes so i'm always writing free career articles which can also be found on my website drdawnoncareers.com another website i love is the muse.com so it's the muse m-u-s-e.com they've got a lot of great articles on there. And then, you know, I would say find a couple of thought leaders who you really connect with on Twitter or Facebook or whatever your social media of choice, LinkedIn, is because people are constantly putting out free content. And I think that, you know, I know a lot of people don't have access to, to coaching or, or maybe they haven't been in a job search in a while. And I think if you haven't been, you can save a lot of time and energy by reading about what the, the current process is like, what to look out for, what to be careful about versus just diving in with both feet and thinking that, you know, I'm going to apply in line and it's going to work out beautifully. Because honestly, if I had one word of warning for any job seekers, what I would say is we like to believe the job search is linear and fair and logical and, and all of those things and people are trained and the questions are going to be valid. But I think you're more likely to come across a process that is biased and nonlinear and chaotic and really doesn't make a lot of sense. So you have to drive that process to make sure you leave on the table and you get to the opportunities that you want to get to. Don't trust the process, trust yourself. That's a great way to end this. So much great advice. I really recommend people read your book, Switchers, if they're making a switch. It's just like this roadmap for, for how to do it from beginning to end. So thank you for your time. I So much great, great advice here. Thank you. Thank you, Pauline. I appreciate it.